What is up? Welcome back to Modern Day Marketer. I'm your host, Brett McGrath, Vice President of Marketing at The Juice. We have another conversation with a marketer that matters, excited to be bringing to you today, Nate Turner. He is the CEO and founder at 10Speed. Today, we're going to be talking about defining content optimization and what it really means. 10Speed's doing some amazing things on the optimization and distribution front. You're going to want to check out their site. Go hit it up. You'll learn a ton. I know I have. He spent his career building inbound engines, Sprout Social, just to name one right off the bat that you're probably familiar with. So you're going to want to tune into this conversation. I learned a ton. Hopefully you do too. We announced our new integration with HubSpot this week. Are you a HubSpot customer? Go check it out. We'd love the feedback. And if you like what I'm doing over here, follow, subscribe, hit all the buttons, but most importantly, tell a friend that you're enjoying Modern Day Marketer. Without further ado, let's kick it to the conversation. What's going on, everyone? A topic I'm excited to dig into, and that is content optimization. So today's topic is defining content optimization and what it really means. There's a lot of conversations that it means this or that, and I've got someone who is building a business around it, so I figured it'd be good for him to tell the story. I'm joined by Nate Turner, who's the co-founder and CEO at 10Speed. Nate, excited to have you on. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Excited to, to jump in. Maybe before to set the stage, before we dig into the bulk of the content, I think you have an interesting background that might be able to help give some people some context about where you came from before you built 10 Speed. So maybe share some of that for the listeners. Yeah, a lot of what we've built at 10 Speed uh, is born out of my experience in house at Sprout Social. So, was the first marketer there uh, started in 2011 and helped the company kind of built and scaled all the kind of inbound acquisition, uh, really product-led growth before it was called that. And uh, a huge part of that was organic search, you know, so content and SEO. So organic being number one revenue driver, grew the company to 100 million IPO. And then from there, I did some consulting with a number of of companies, uh, Zylo, Help Scout, uh, Pop Pays, Hologram. And uh, really enjoyed consulting on the marketing side, but found myself gravitating towards sort of the organic opportunities with them. And so partnered up uh, with a former head of SEO that was on my team at Sprout, and we started 10Speed. So uh, it's been really fun the last couple of years uh, working with a lot of SaaS companies and and digging in much deeper into uh, SEO content and and what we're going to talk about today, specifically content optimization. One follow up on that, because um, I'm super curious. I think anyone listening knows. Sprout Social. And obviously the reason for that, the brand has scaled. A lot of people have used the product. Maybe like share some perspective of like the early days. Did you know when you were in early doing what you were doing with content, SEO, all the things we do as marketers, did you know that the opportunity was as big as what came out on the other side? Like yes and no, kind of. (laughs) So I knew going in that SEO was going to be a big opportunity. And that was something CEO and I talked about even before I was hired. Uh, and we agreed on that. And so we really did start to build quite a bit into that. But I think the, so I mean, talking all the way back to 2011, content led SEO and really like building out blog content and a lot of that stuff wasn't 
quite as commonplace as it is now. And so that wasn't necessarily the playbook from the beginning, uh, but we were definitely growing organic. Organic was a big channel from the beginning, even just kind of going from when I started a single, you know, one page website to actually building out feature pages and solutions and other things that were still, you know, helpful in, in building organic. But you know, over time that kind of became clear, like, hey, there's opportunity to really do more with the blog. So yes, coming into it, saw opportunity for SEO to be big. No, had no idea that it would grow into to the extent that it was, and you know, being you know, over a million visits a month, you know, before I left, uh, which was a pretty big deal. So a million organic visits a month. So you you always like to see opportunities that can translate into a new business being born, and that's what you all are doing at at ten speed. I go to your website and I can't turn a page without seeing the word content optimization. So maybe like we start there, since that's what we're talking about. Maybe like define content optimization and what it means to you and how we should be thinking about it as marketers. Yeah, I'm glad you said what it means to us because I think that will actually probably differ a little bit from what folks may be thinking uh, hearing it initially. So I think for several years now, a lot of folks have been understanding like as you build content on your website over time, it may need to be refreshed or decayed. So like the concept of updating content or refreshing content from that perspective, I think has been understood and some people consider that content optimization. But I think there's a few factors that we think about when we think about content optimization. And so at the at the highest level, like our focus is helping you get the most as possible out of your content. And so that does include, you know, understanding content decay and understanding how to, you know, refresh content and update it. That is a piece of it. It is also understanding, you know, distribution and repurposing and and actually getting the the content optimized from that standpoint to actually attract new folks and and work on a distribution level. There's CTAs in terms of optimizing the content and knowing, you know, the the path that makes sense to get someone into a newsletter sign up versus a, a free trial sign up, and and then just generally kind of all of that together. Blog content shouldn't be on an island, and so you know, optimizing from that standpoint and figuring out how to integrate any podcast episodes you have or videos or things like that to really kind of make cohesive and you know, well, well aligned and well optimized content. So for us, I think it kind of falls into all four of those. And the way that we think about it is again, just sort of getting the most out of your content. So, so much about content has shifted from the standpoint of we were on this like content hamster wheel mode where it was like, we need to produce more and more new, new volume, volume, volume. And like what you're describing is like, all right, we're, we've already put in all of this energy to these pieces. Like what can we do as marketers to make sure we're maximizing the value? So I'm curious, like what are kind of the core elements that we should consider when kind of thinking about getting off that hamster wheel and thinking about optimizing our content for the first time? Yeah, I would say the the two biggest are probably, you know, initially anyone starting going from zero to something like new content creation is going to be your path. And that makes sense. But I would say the first is not letting yourself get caught up in that and being so, so overbooked in, in your content calendar and everything that you're just constantly trying to create new. And like you said, sort of on that hamster wheel that you're ignoring everything you already have in terms of making sure it's performing like it should be refreshing it if necessary. So I think, yeah, like existing content is one. And then the the second is just distribution. And you know, I had a lot of folks have talked about 
that and like you should be planning distribution before you even create the content and you know create once distribute distribute forever like whatever sort of idiom you want to use to to uh talk about that but i think there's still a lot of truth in that in that you if you're t- taking the time to create it then it should be something worth promoting unless it's like a truly a time-based thing that wouldn't make sense but anything that's more evergreen like you should still feel good to promote it six or nine months after you made it even though it it was published a while back so i would say that's the the two big ones really and then if there were a bonus third it would be really thinking about the the ultimate impact like business impact and performance of it and so at the end of the day it's good to build an audience it's good to increase traffic but i always say like no one wants traffic for the sake of traffic so you're doing it for a reason there is a uh an end goal there and that is really making sure that you're thinking through just objectively looking at what are the CTAs you have within the content? Do you even have any at all? What is the path? Are you trying to take people deeper into product pages? Are you trying to get them to sign up directly or, you know, move into a more timely thing like a webinar, whatever it might be. So I think that's a few of the the key ones that really matter a lot. Yeah, maybe uh, to put a, a shine a light on the business objectives. And I know we've had a conversation about the ROI of it all. And I'm, it seems to me that we're in this state in content marketing where the content marketer more now than ever before is having to think about conversion ROI. And I know we all should have been thinking about it from the beginning, but it just, you know, as times change, resources get smaller. We're all having every action we take, we need to have intention with it. So I'm I'm curious, just like are you on the content marketing side and people who you're working with, people who come in and want to talk to you who need help, are you having to like be direct and share like if you're doing this, don't just do content to do content, but like actually be intentional and here are the ways that you do that. Are you hearing or seeing more of that or is it just kind of status quo as always? I would say it's a spectrum and certainly, you know, earlier stage companies we work with, you may or may not even have a good handle on conversion tracking and attribution for any channel, let alone you know content or SEO or anything like that. So some of it is the maturity of of the company itself, and you know a lot of times they're just looking at it as this content is going to help us fuel all of our marketing efforts, or you know we're getting started on this and and building it, but we're not expecting that. All the way to the other end of the spectrum, which is clients saying, "Hey, thanks, like we crushed our." you know, whatever Q2, the OKR and, and generated X amount of like pipeline or, or, you know, 600,000 in MRR or, you know, whatever it might be like, there's, there's some of the sophistication on that end to really be kind of understanding the impact at a direct level. And then obviously everything in between, but our, so obviously for every client, we can't, we can't reasonably go and try to understand Salesforce and Marketo and HubSpot and all their like attribution models or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. That's just way too deep into the the weeds and outside of where our, our main focus is. But we do know sort of the building blocks and some of the like good best practices and like good habits to be building around conversion tracking and understanding direct impact and indirect impact on pipeline and things like that, that we can 
help people set that up and, and start to be thinking about it that way. What are the some of the biggest missteps you see brands make when building their content marketing strategy? I'm guessing maybe not think about content optimization at all, but don't want to lead the witness. I yes, I think in general, I think that's you know not thinking about content optimization holistically. I think is is certainly one to add. Another I would say is they it's easy to like anyone can pretty easily grab a you know Ahrefs SEMrush license, jump in, and you can pretty easily identify topics that are related to your product, related to your business, and you can just run with it. And I think that that is can be a bit misguided because just because it's like related to your product or your your space doesn't necessarily mean that it's like if you rank for that and drive traffic that it's going to bring you who you actually want to attract to your website. And so I think not, you know, understanding your ICP and their pain points and truly doing your research and building your strategy through that lens. If you're missing that, I think that you can get some great traffic and and it can seem like it should be relevant, but that translation to business impact just isn't quite there. And then I think the other is you just like getting a bit too myopic on like blog content, like it is pretty well understood, and I think a lot of it feels accessible, uh, and it's certainly less of a leap than starting a podcast or even like webinars or that kind of stuff. But like content as a you know, as a term, you know, obviously describes in B two B more than just blog content, or blog posts. So I think that that would just be another is is like like I said before, optimizing. Content optimization includes understanding these pieces and like, hey, here's a relevant podcast episode. Let's pull that in here or let's link to this other thing you have here. Like it works well when it can kind of all work together. And so being a little too focused on blog posts or or any channel really being just solely focuses that one content type or that one channel, uh, I think would be the last one that I would mention as a misstep. You you alluded to it earlier. You previewed, and I like held back. I was like, I, although this is my favorite topic, I'm going to wait so we can dig in. I'd love to maybe understand a little bit about, in the spirit of getting the most out of our content, talking talk to me a little bit about content distribution and how you all think about it and are communicating with you know your uh, clients about it. Yeah. So I mean, we've uh, our team's written a couple uh, pretty lengthy blog posts specifically around like LinkedIn and Twitter. And some of that was actually born out of our own experience. So we had a period, uh, maybe a year, year and a half ago, where we just, uh, in terms of like our team capacity and the stage we were at, like we just like creating our blog um, blog content was uh, not something we were prioritizing. Uh, but I found myself continuing to go back, you know, to a post that I'd written six months ago, comb through it, uh, and find something that I thought, hey, this section's worth sharing, pull that out and kind of like rewrite, reformat and share it on LinkedIn and just doing it over and over. And you're like, hey, we literally have a total at that time, I think of like nine or 10 posts. And I just constantly keep finding good social content because I'm just going back into the stuff we already had. And so some of the stuff we've written is around, you know, how to do that a bit more systematically. And so there's that aspect certainly around like, hey, just take this content you're writing and there's a lot of ways you can break it up and turn it into social content. That's that's certainly one piece. And then I think beyond that, you know, what we talk about is like there's you know a great opportunity for content that you're creating already, whether it's blog posts or something else, 
to be content that's also distributed in a newsletter that you have and you're kind of building your own audience that way. There are a lot of topics that AEs can utilize to send to prospects because it's relevant to what they were just talking about on a call. Same thing with like uh, CSMs and like customer support even. Like there could be a lot of just sort of customer education type of things that come out of that. So it's just really kind of like rethinking from like what distribution means. Distribution is not just posting stuff on social, but it's like, where are all the ways we could be sharing this, making this accessible, organizing it so people can find it easily and and just getting getting more of that out there. So, and then I, you know, I think the last piece would just be, you know, any sort of like webinar or, you know, video podcast, actually like pulling some of the highlights out and in, into clips and having those accessible as well. So lots of ways. And so some of it's more so just sort of coaching and suggesting with, with clients, because you certainly don't do all of those as a service, but, but there's a lot of, of ways you can be using that content you have for, for distribution. Well, when I'm logging into LinkedIn, most of the time I'm greeted by a real or some sort of short video of Nate talking about content optimization or other things. So you're doing yeah. something right. Uh, you're showing on my LinkedIn feed. Do you, uh, are you, how do you think about just like channel specific? Is it just like as simple as like, all right, we're going to spend time on LinkedIn because the people there are likely the types of customers that are good fits for 10 speed, or is there any other secret sauce to it? No, I think it's, it's primarily what you said. Like it's starting with understanding generally who is our, our target audience and who do we work with and where do they spend time? And, and then it's also like just understanding your own strengths and preferences and stuff too. And so I was a very early adopter of Twitter, but I've fallen off from, from that. And especially so in the last uh, year. And so it's also just like, there's probably a good amount of our target audience on Twitter, but like, I personally just don't have any interest in spending time there. And so that's part of it too. Like that just becomes a chore if I have to be like, well, I'm gonna go post on Twitter again. And so I think it's, you know, understanding where our audience is and then understanding what our content plays, like which channels it plays well to and, you know, where we're interested in engaging and spending time. So, yeah, I think that that's pretty much the extent of it. But, you know, if we had, if we were doing whatever, like photography or video production or something like that, I'm sure we would do a lot more with, Instagram and, and probably TikTok and some of that too. And so just kind of understanding, you know, what is, what is your content? What are you wanting to share? Where's your audience at all of that? It makes sense. And maybe like thinking about uh, creation to distribution and thinking about like the type of content that we're creating. Is there a specific balance we should be thinking about from like brain oriented content versus revenue focused content? Can they be the same? Like, how how are you thinking about that in terms of like the brand building versus the demand gen content that we create? Yes. First thing I'll say is because I don't think en- enough people talk about it. Like every every interaction that someone has with any, like we we like to think about the content in terms of who created it, what was the, our purpose for it. But any interaction with any content is a brand interaction, and so I know there are still. Some folks who think about like, oh, this is just SEO content that's only for search engines and we want to kind of hide it in this part of our site where it's less visible. But like the reality is that's still people coming to your site and it's still a brand interaction. 
with that said, I think I don't, I don't, I wouldn't have anything in terms of like specific ratios. And so I think that there are benefits in having folks like having a bit of a, a separation and, and just folks with different skill sets and different mindsets and different like objectives from the business, both having a lane to do what they need to do. So you don't have someone who's trying to create thought leadership and and really like great brand content. That's that they're also trying to like optimize every, like everything for search because that shouldn't necessarily be the case. And you also don't have, you know, like a bunch of, creative content that you're just hoping will do well in organic search, uh, you know, or, or just kind of ignoring one core business metric or the other. So I think there's value in lanes because it allows people with distinct skill sets to operate the way they would to, to influence what they want to influence. And I think that the biggest thing is just making sure you're collectively on the same page and that it still all works well together. and doesn't feel to the end user, like two different lanes. I love it. I want to maybe close out with just some examples and thinking about content optimization, just maybe brands who have kind of turned around the trajectory of their content strategy or examples because of focusing deeper on optimization. Yeah. I mean, I think certainly a huge part of it was was born out of our early experience in doing that when I was still at Sprout. Like, kind of initially understanding, hey, this is, you know, we're looking deep into Search Console and we're seeing, you know, some of these signs that like a bunch of these queries are matching to this post, but they're page two, page three. And it seems like if we actually just updated this piece and did this, it would do that. So like there were some of that very early signs, you know, I always like to say like before, you know, we were kind of optimizing content before HubSpot started publicly talking about that. And then like more people did it and we were doing topic clusters before and it was always kind of this bummer of like, shoot, HubSpot just told everyone. And now like more people are going to know about this because it was working well and we wanted to keep it a secret. But, you know, I think, so that was a huge thing for us. Like we, I mean, we had massive amounts of traffic that we regained I mean, to the order of like six figures a month at, at some point. So there was, there was a lot there that really is what opened my eyes to sort of like the difference that that makes in the compounding growth and like, you know, updating these three pieces and getting, you know, 20, 30,000 clicks a month back, how many new posts would we have had to have created to, to get that again? And so I think there's certainly a level of that there. And, you know, we've had, we had a client that came to us and they were, you know, in like low six figures a month organic traffic. And we spent, but they had like a lot of decay. And so we spent honestly, almost six months straight, just updating existing content. It probably could have gone a little bit faster, but the, there were some limitations on the client side of how fast we could go. But so it took a while, but really, I mean, almost just like a, a V shape, like in terms of it was going down pretty dramatically and then just turned around and, and started going the other way. And so I think that's been really cool. And, and the other is like, and I wanted to mention this, there's this interesting thing where we consistently talk with clients and there's decay and traffic line is going down. And then as we kind of go through, do the analysis, we typically uncover anywhere from like two to 200 posts that they're like, these are not relevant anymore and we should, we should prune them. And, and so that's great. And that's a, a healthy thing to do. But then 
in the ones that we do optimize, like it just, it's interesting because at the surface level, it can look like there's not as much growth or recovery, but when you, if you wanted to take the time and like pull out all the past traffic from the stuff that you've actually pruned, then it like makes a huge shift. And so I think that's something, one thing I would just say is like, if you are encountering that, please don't, please don't keep an irrelevant post on your site just because it is like a top traffic driver. Like just have the conversation, reset expectations, reset the baseline. Everyone will understand and you will actually have like a healthier site and it will be better experience for everyone visiting your site. And it's sort of just a temporary pain to like get over like, well, our traffic numbers used to be this kind of thing. So so kind of a bit of a tangent there, I guess, on your on your question. But yeah, I think that would be a couple of the things that we've we've seen pretty consistently. And you know, and if you're gonna down to like the post level, like there's all kinds of, you know, 300% growth month over month on this piece that got optimized, like on the post level, you know, it was down to doing this much and you re-optimize it and it goes to that. But that that's kind of specifically that one type of, of content optimization as well. So I don't want to glaze over the uh, six-figure monthly no- number that you said. That's ridiculous. <laughs> if you need someone to talk uh, about content optimization with, I think Nate is your guy. Nate, I learned a ton from this conversation. Thanks so much for joining us. Can't wait to do it again. Yeah. Thanks, Brett. Appreciate it. Always have fun chatting with Nate. He was on the panel of one of our digital events around content ROI, has always good examples and perspective when it comes to distribution, optimization, SEO, all the things that help make a winning content marketing strategy. Go check out Nate's work. He posts all the time on LinkedIn. Go follow 10Speed. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. We'll be back with more Modern Day Marketer next week.